Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. It is good to be back with you guys. Um, I almost said y'all. This is for Miss Cindy and Miss Virginia. It's good to be back with y'all. Y'all. All right, Mark chapter 2. Uh, I miss you guys when I'm away. Uh, we we actually, you know, absolutely had a great time, but there really is no place like home. And uh, I love my church family. And I love it not just because I'm the pastor. I, I, love, I just love you guys. And I appreciate being able to see you every week and watch God work in your lives. And sometimes God works through a trial. And he takes that trial and he turns it into a blessing. And uh, life, I'll say this, life is a series of ups and downs. Uh, you're not always going to be up. You're going to be down sometimes. Amen. That's life. Um, but but the, really, the, the, the issue is not... Whether or not you fall, the question is whether or not you get back up. And uh, I want to talk to you about that today. I want to talk about getting up and walking. Getting up and walking again. Look at Mark chapter 2 and verse number 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. Now, by the way, when it says it was noise that he was in the house. This is Jesus Christ being in the house. And you learn from the last chapter that this is more than likely Peter's house. And so Jesus is in... By the way, if you're going to have anybody in your house, that's a good person to have in your house, all right? He who was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached. Now, what do you do when a whole crowd gathers you know, you, know, you know what someone that is there on a mission does? They preach the truth. And so a crowd gathers, and Jesus, uh, I've heard people say this, uh, why do you guys go out and do public evangelism? I think it's kind of weird. My Savior did it. When a crowd gathers, preach to them, give them the truth. And so Jesus Christ did exactly that. And it says in verse number three, they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. That means he was carried by four individuals and they could not come nigh unto him for the press. In other words, there were so many, so many gathered there, they couldn't get this sick man that was lame to the, the, the place where Jesus was. Because the press, all the people were there pressing against each other. So what'd they do? <laughs> you know, the, I guess uh, uh, when, you, when you, desperate times call for desperate measures, right? So what they do, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where in the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Well, isn't that something great to hear from God? Sins are forgiven. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man, the, uh, why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man, that's Jesus speaking in the third person, hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise. And take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, 
and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. I want to call your attention to verse 11, where Jesus says to the man, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way. I want to preach to you about getting up and walking. Getting up and walking. Brother Joe, if you would ask God's blessing on the word. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. I, I want to get you kind of the, the mental picture of what's going on. Uh, If you look back at chapter 1, look if you would at verse number 33. This was not the first time that the whole city was gathered together around this house. Uh, It kind of became the place to be. It kind of became the the, the central place where you could find Jesus. I'll tell you what. uh, If your house in your neighborhood was the place where people knew they could go to find Jesus, that'd be a great thing. But but notice in chapter 1 and verse 33, all the city, that's the entire, all the city was gathered together at the door. Can you imagine the entire city of Aurora hanging out around your house? Might, might get a little bit weary of that, right? 450,000 people hanging around your house might make you a little bit nervous. And, and I understand that, that maybe you think today that that's not possible, but I'll tell you this much. People still have spiritual needs in 2022, maybe more now than ever. And here this entire city is gathered around this house because they knew that's where Jesus was. And I want you to kind of get the mental picture. Here's this guy on a stretcher, and he can't move. And he's got to rely on four other people to carry him around. And, and, and I, want to, I want to talk about those four in a little bit, but for now let me just say this much. You've got these four that have gone through the trouble of picking this guy up, throwing him on a stretcher and carrying him, and then getting to the crowd and, and seeing that, man, that, that it's hard to get to Jesus. And, and rather than giving up, they come up with a plan. I wish Christians were more that way. Instead of giving up when things look hard, they go, you know what? We can't get in that way. We can't get in that way. We can't get around the house that way. I got an idea. Let's climb on top of the roof. I mean, listen, that's an awesome thing to watch. You, you talk about the, the spectacle there. Everyone's kind of pushing and shoving. And they said, man, let's forget that. Let's go up a different way. And they got him on top of that house. And you know what they said? Well, we got him up here. This is great. And they start praying. They go, Lord, what do you want us to do? And the Lord says, hey, there's something between you and Jesus. It's called the roof. Yeah. And so you know what they do? They broke that thing up. And then they dropped that sucker down. Can you imagine me and the lame guy going, guys, don't drop me, please. <laughs> You know, it's already bad enough as it is, you know, and, and so there they drop this lame guy down. And then Jesus, of course, he says to him, he says, listen, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And he gives him cleansing and he gives him forgiveness and he gives him a new life. But here's what I want you to understand. 
at the end of the day, the Lord heals that guy, but he still tells him, you got to get up. Listen, I'm going to bring the healing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the restoration. But you have to decide whether you want to listen to me or not. And right there, right at the moment of the miracle, we are reminded of the fact that the Lord does all that we cannot do. You couldn't save yourself, and I couldn't save myself, and I could not make myself born again by by thinking I'm good enough, and I couldn't work my way to heaven. So God did the hard part for me. He did what I could not do. And I look around and go, Lord, we've got to reach that person. We've got to go here. and we want to get a building. And there's things that we can't do. And you know what God's going to do? God's going to step in. However, after he does, and after he does the miracle, it's on us whether we listen and obey and move forward with our lives. And listen, if you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. You have fallen down more than once since you got saved. If you're lost without Jesus Christ and you don't know if your head hits your pillow tonight, whether you'd be in heaven or hell in eternity, can I just say this much? And by the way, in a multiple choice uh, uh, quiz, those are the only two options in eternity, okay? Understand, that's it. And God does not want you to go to hell. The Bible says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. You don't belong there. If you go, you'll be out of place and God never desired for you to go. But if you do, it'll be because you thought to yourself, I can heal myself, and none of us can do that. But after you get that healing, you need to understand this much. You got from God what only he could give. Now it's on you to live out your life and to obey what he says. Think about this. The one that says, let there be light, and there was light. The one that says, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's, uh, he's got the canvas of creation. He's going, uh, let's go with land here, seas here. Boom, it happens. I'm sorry, all it takes is having someone in your life that is pregnant to know that we did not evolve. It is a miracle, and when you look at the intricate uh, details scientifically, you understand that that was not some random cause of the cosmos exploding billions of years ago. There was a designer that designed life to be that way. It's, it's, not, it's not something that, that science wants to face, not because it's not scientific, but because they don't want to come face to face with God. But you can't deny that there's a creator, there's a designer. You can look at anything in this room and go, someone made that, someone designed it, someone shipped it. And then you get the the complexity of the universe and you go, it's an accident. And you know, I love people, you know, my age and younger, oh, the universe, the universe will send you blessings. Just believe in the the universe. You just got to harness the power of the universe. And you're still talking about a deity that is higher than you. You just changed the name from God to the universe. But where did the universe come from? <laughs> Do you understand? What, I'm, what, I'm, what I want you to understand is this. Here's God that says, let there be light. Man, there's light. Here's God that says, let's divide the land. Here's God that goes, I got an idea. Let's make a dirt ball and let's animate him. Amen? <laughs> Adam. <laughs> and then there, there, all of that. And this God is so powerful, he can do all of that. Then he says to that man, you're healed. But you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't go, there you go. He doesn't do that. David's like, I'm never sitting on the front row again. I'll buy you lunch, buddy. We'll make it right. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't force that guy to get up. He says, you're healed? Yeah. Stand up. Well, Lord, aren't you powerful enough to stand me up? Yeah, but I want you to do it. 
Why? Because that's the part you can do. You know what happens all the time with Christians? I'm just waiting for God. God's like, I've been trying to get through to you. This is your part now. It'd be like us saying, God, would you provide us a building? God, would you provide us a building? And not tithe. It'd be like me saying, God, would you reach that person with the gospel? God, would you reach my coworker? God, and the Lord's like, hey, dummy, tell them about Jesus. Yeah, he'll reach them, but you have to open your mouth. Do you understand? The Lord wants to work in your life, but even after you're saved, even after you receive that initial healing, there are moments in your life where you fall again and again and again and again. And I've had people tell me, Pastor, I'm just tired of falling. You know, I'm going to tell you what, when you get to heaven, you will not be tired of the fact that you got up and you got up and you got up and you got up and you have something to show for your life. You know what I'm trying to tell you? Get up. Get back up. So I don't feel like it. Well, maybe this guy didn't. Do you imagine? Listen, I mean, I'm not lame and I don't have the palsy, but I got this. Here we go. Oh. Hey, those are 41 year old knees, man. Just wait until they're 70. God help me. <laughs> right? <laughs> listen, listen, I'm not, I don't, I'm not lame, but man, it's 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 painful enough. I can imagine being lying, lying down. And after someone dropped me through a roof and seeing the sinless son of God and have him say, your sins are forgiven. And inside my heart, there's something going, man, this has never felt like this before. This is awesome. And then he says, get up. That's the moment of truth. That's why I have to prove to everybody that everything that I said that I believe in, all the trouble that got me there, those four people that worked hard, the uncovering of the roof, dropping me down, and there's Jesus. And you know what I love the fact that Jesus doesn't do? I got to be honest with you guys. If we're having church and someone's drilling a hole in the middle of the, of the thing there, I'd be like, hello, you're interrupting the sermon. But the Lord is just like, I just imagine the Lord's like, and as it says in the book of Isaiah, Well, folks, this has never happened in church before, but let's address this. None of the, all of that buildup would not have mattered. He had to on his own, after receiving healing, he had to get up. If you're not saved, you know what's had you down your entire life? Sin. Sin. And it'll keep you down. If you're not saved, you know what will keep you down? Your self-righteousness, thinking I'm good enough. I'm not that bad of a person. I never killed anybody. I, I, that's what I, when I talk to someone about Jesus, like, well, I'm not, I mean, go. I literally, one time I knocked on a door, and this guy came to the door. It was a ni- nice neighborhood. He goes, you know where you ought to go? You ought to go to this neighborhood over here. I'm like, yeah, I know what you're like. You're a big, fat hypocrite. You think there's people that have money like you that they need Jesus, but you don't? You're a sinner just like the rest of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but that's how people think. I'm an upstanding, you know, citizen. I pay my taxes, and I don't do anybody wrong, and I, I try to live by the golden rule. Yeah, but what about the times that you sinned? You, you see, the sin, self-righteousness will keep you down. But even after you get saved, you know what's going to happen? You're going to run into things from the old life. You're going to run into the old tendencies, the old habits, the old friends, the old thinking, uh, the old way of dealing with problems, confrontation, pride, even after getting saved, self-righteousness, looking down on other people, envy and jealousy and covetousness. Am I making any sense right now? Wondering why God has blessed that person. Why does God answer that person's prayer? But I've been praying about this and I can't get it. And you know what you do? You put yourself flat back on your back. You know what the Lord's saying this morning? Get up. Lord, I don't think I can. I can imagine that guy going, I don't know if I can do this. 
But the Lord said to get up, so I'm going to get up. And they all beheld it, and they thought to themselves, man, we have never seen it like this before. Now, this isn't very deep, but you know when you fall, you got one of two options. You stay down or you get back up. And and I, I we're getting ready for this stage of life again where, you know, the they're doing the little army crawl, you know, and and then eventually they grab on a hold of something and they pull themselves up, you know, and they do the little thing like this, you know. <laughs> and I don't know why, but Ariana had rhythm from day one. My sheep chasing you know. You know, we had this little toy thing, you know, and, and she would just like, you know, just a little jungle bounce around, you know, just, she had it, you know, and, and then the, before you know it, they start doing this, you know, and then they fall down. You know what you don't do? Oh, they're never going to make it. They're going to be an idiot for the rest of their life. <laughs> you know what you know? They have to fall down to learn how to get back up. Can I say this right now? Your heavenly father knows that. He's not sitting there going, oh, my goodness, can you believe that? I just, I just don't think they're ever going to get it. I think the Lord knows when you get saved, there are going to be moments in your life where you fall down and you get down. And you have to say to yourself, Lord, with your help, I'll get up. All you got to do is tell me. Lord says, get up, and it's on you. The Bible says a just man falleth seven times and yet riseth up again. But the wicked fall into mischief. The idea from Proverbs is this. One guy gets down. The other guy gets down. The difference between the two of them, the, what's the difference between the righteous and the just versus the wicked? One of them gets back up. One of them stays down. That's it. Everyone falls down. Getting back up is how you learn to walk. Walt Disney said that. Vince Lombardi said it's not, listen, this is the only time I quote a packer, okay? So just... <laughs> It's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get up. Amen. And don't just say amen because it's Vince Lombardi, all right, sister? <laughs> it's a good quote. Do you, you, you understand, though, in life, that's, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to think that, listen, you know what? We went to Bolivia, South America, and we thought that's where God wants us. We sold every earthly possession we had, which wasn't really a whole lot at the time. You know, and I say every earthly possession, it sounds like, you know, oh, you gave up so much. No, we lived in a trailer and most of the stuff came from Goodwill, you know. So we, we, but we got rid of everything that we had. And you know what? We hit the road for two years, a year and and seven months. And we went to Bolivia, South America with 10 suitcases, which was all of our earthly belongings and our two, our two children at the time. You know, we had one that was, you know, Ariana was greeting people at church everywhere we went, every church we went to. She's standing at the back of the church, you know, shaking hands. And then we had the other one. Daddy, daddy, daddy. I was everybody say daddy, daddy, daddy. You know, but we, we moved everything, went South America, and we thought, man, God wants us here for the rest of our lives. See what happened? It didn't work out that way. And you know what happened to me? I found myself down. Now, those of you that got saved as a result of this church's ministry, would you raise your hand real quick? All right. That's a blessing. Praise God. Now, now here's my point. My point is this. Are you glad we didn't stay down? And who knows 20 years from now who can raise their hand because you didn't get it. You didn't stay down. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, 
when the funds are low and the debts are high. <laughs> right? You want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns. Let me remind you, queer used to mean something very different back in the day. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he seemed too late, and he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to that golden crown. Success, listen to me, success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint of the clouds of doubt, you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worst that you must not quit. Christians get down too. Family pressure, financial pressure, fear, sin that keeps pulling you back in, habits that keep you down. You know, I read about, I read about a man named Enoch, and the Bible says that Enoch walked with God, and he was not. You see, when it, when it says that in Genesis, what does it mean? He was not what? Exactly. He was not in existence on the earth. You know why? Because the Bible says, for God took him. You know what it says about Enoch? He walked with God. You know what this message is about? It's about you learning to get back up and walk with the Lord again. Now, now listen, the, the, the reality is this. For the rest of your Christian life, I'm primarily speaking to saved people. If you're not born again, we'll talk to you toward the end of the I don't want you to clock out, but I'm going to primarily speak to saved people this morning because I believe most of you are saved. You need to understand this. this the, the rest of your Christian life is going to be a series of ups and downs because of the sin-cursed world in which you live. And things are going to be going great, and there's going to be a trial. Things will be going great, and you fall into sin again. Things will be going great, and you get selfish again. Things will be going great, and you have a fight with your spouse. Things will be going, you understand what I'm talking about? This is life. The idea that life is just this constant up and up and up. Do you know why vacation is awesome? Because you don't live at a resort every day. If you did, you'd weigh like 500 pounds. I know I would. I gained 10 in like a week. God knows how much. I mean, you just sit around and you eat, man. And that's all you do. You understand? The reason vacation is so awesome is because you don't live in a vacation. The reason heaven is going to be amazing is because we're not there yet. Life is going to be ups. It's going to be downs. It's on you whether you get back up. There are some, listen to me very carefully. Let me bring a, a little bit of air of sobriety for just a moment. There are some people that used to sit where you're sitting. And they're not. You know what some of it is? They just decided they didn't want to get back up. Getting back up takes effort. My boys last night, we were moving, working in the house, and we're renovating the basement. This, this, this next child of ours, if she's not grateful, I'm going <laughs> to... She's going to be going with a grateful spirit. <laughs> Because, man, we have turned our life upside down, you know, adding a room, getting Emma moving downstairs and adding rooms down there and, you know, moving stuff around. And my boys literally worked till 8.30 last night in the dark moving stuff with Dad. And it was, I got to be honest with you, it was one of those cool moments as a dad when your son's coming in to go, Dad, can we just go to sleep? I'm like, yes. 
Because normally it's like, you know, trying to wear, how can I wear, I can't seem to break their spirit. <laughs> Last night we did it, hallelujah. <laughs> but you know what? They were tired. You know what they, they said, Dad, are we done? And I just, I literally said, he, this guy right here, he asks questions all the time. He's inquisitive. Call him, come inquisitive Ethan, you know? And, and he goes, Dad, are we done? And I said, let me ask you a question. Look, can you look out in the driveway and see if there's stuff still out there? And he goes, yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> then we're not done. <laughs> you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to quit, but Dad wouldn't let them. Dad kept telling them, you can keep going. You're made for this. <laughs> you know what they never asked me? And I, was, I, was, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for them to go, how come Emma's not out here? But you know, you know what? Let me just, I know it's 2022. Woo! Here come the HR red flags. Whoop, 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 whoop. All right, let's just get this out of the way right now. Men and women are different. And you know, I want my boys to learn. You can work till 830 at night, and they can put their feet up for a little bit. They worked hard uh, yesterday as well. And so you know what? Whenever you come in, you're going you're gonna to sleep better than you've ever slept in your entire life. But, but do you understand what I'm getting at? Dad was cheering them on. You know what your Heavenly Father is doing this morning? You got this. You got this. You're not done yet. You're not done. You're just starting out. You're just starting out. I read that story about those men that are walking on the way to Emmaus after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they're talking, you know, and then Jesus shows up, and they're like, man, do you hear about this Jesus? What? What are you talking about? Jesus plays, now, I'm not trying to be disrespectful or blasphemous, but if you read the passage, Jesus plays dumb. He does. I'm serious. He, he says, what are these things which you speak of? He knew what they were talking about. Here's the one that can listen to what you're saying in your heart. And he goes, why are you thinking that way, Sean? What are you talking about, Lord? I don't know what you're talking about. I, I'm not thinking anything, you know. I'm so glad I don't have that power, especially while I'm preaching. It would be ugly. Why don't you like what I'm saying, Chad? What's the? Pr- I mean, you know, I mean, he's not doing that. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like, if uh, thank God, I'm thank. Let's all just say, man, this. Thank God, we're not him. Amen. Yeah. But here's the one that can that can look and see what you're reasoning in your heart. And here he is walking with these two on the way to Emmaus, and he goes, "What are you talking about?" Just because he wanted to have some fellowship with them. He wanted to be able to relate with them and, and minister to them. You know what they did? They walked a number of miles together. And at one point, he goes, all right, guys, I'll see you later. They go, no, 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 don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. Come back. We're, not, we're, we're going to this city. You want to come with us? Yeah, come on. And the Lord was with him. And as he began to expound to them the scriptures, then he broke bread. And as soon as he did that, their eyes were open, and they realized who he was, and their hearts burned from within. And they said, man, that was the one that we've been talking about. Do you know what kind of experience you should have in your life as a believer? That kind of experience where after you spend time with Jesus, your heart burns within you. Not some little checklist. Here we go, I read my Bible, check. I went to church, check. You know what that is? That's lifeless. It's religion. It's not relationship. And if you're not careful, you will find yourself flat on your back because you're playing a religious game where you check the box. I sang the hymns. I played the song. I did this. I did that. I read the scripture. Okay, we're done. Let me go on with my life. That's not a relationship. You know what a relationship is? I got to talk to him again. I remember, man, when I was dating my wife when I was in Bible school, uh, I, don't know, I don't think you guys even know what, the, you guys know what calling cards are? No? All right. Do you know what they are? 
All right, all right. So, so calling cards are these things you would buy at Walmart. Do you know what they are? No? Okay. Calling cards, how about you over here? Call it, no idea, right? Okay, all right. All right, who's, who's starting to feel old right now? Anybody? Anybody? All right. Calling cards, you go to Walmart and you buy them for like 10 bucks or 25 bucks or whatever, and it would give you X amount of minutes to call long distance. Back in the day, if you made a long distance call, it's not like today, y'all are spoiled, man. Back in the day, you had a long distance bill that you get in the mail, and then dad would go, who called Puerto Rico without telling me? <laughs> right? And, and, and then when a girl, when one of my sisters was dating a guy that was out of state, you always knew, Ay, que cosa, que and my dad would go to the house, get all upset, because there was long distance charges on the bill. Well, you would get these calling cards, and they were kind of like magical. They made you feel like, man, I can just talk and talk and talk and talk. And I remember sometimes, literally, it's midnight, and I'm going, I got to work in the morning. I, and I say, hey, I, I really like talking. I'm so sorry, I got to go. She goes, oh. <laughs> now, I'm, now it's like, hey, babe, how you doing? This is my side of the bed. <laughs> but the time would just go by. And, and I would just go, I, I want to keep talking to her. I want to keep talking. You say, why? Man, that's. That's how your walk with God should be. If you're saved. You know what I think was really interesting about those four guys? They didn't have to convince the lame man that he was lame. (laughs) You know one of the hardest parts about getting back up is realizing that you're down. Sometimes you don't even realize it. You think life's okay and things are good, I'm good. You don't realize spiritually, you're flat. You know, you know what they have to do? Dude, you're lame. No, I can do it. <laughs> this guy had nothing, and he knew it. If you want to get up and walk again, let me give you a couple things that you're going to need in your life. Number one, you need the right circle of people. I'll look if you would at Mark chapter 2 and verse number 3. Mark chapter 2 and verse 3. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. What are those four guys' names? I have no idea. No clue what their names are. Don't know. But I'll tell you this much. When this guy had nowhere else to go and no one else to turn to, he had at least four people in his life that were going to bring him to Jesus. You know what you need in your life? You need the right kind of people around you. I mean at school, at work, in your family, online. It doesn't matter what virtual community. It doesn't matter what kind of community you're in. Listen, you need the right kind of people around you. When you start finding yourself saying, those church people, something's wrong up here and right here. You need the right kind of people around you. There are people in this room right now, and part of the reason that you have found yourself back in church is because there was a friend reaching out to you saying, hey, missed you. Hey, I love you. Hey, I'm praying for you. You need that in your life. You go, I don't need anybody. You know what you'll do? If, you wish, if that's your opinion, I need nobody, you will stay flat for the rest of your life spiritually. This man needed some people, and let me just say this. The people you surround yourself with affects you more than you realize. Oh, man, they will pull you into things and pull you out of things and put you into situations that maybe God doesn't want you in, depending on who you surround yourself with. Listen, I'm glad this morning that you're in fellowship one with another. What about when you leave this place? 
I read this great, great, great saying. Your associations don't shove you in a direction. They nudge you ever so slightly over time. It's like being in an inner tube in the ocean and thinking you're just staying still and you're just drifting further and further away. There was a man, that, a doctor, Dr. McClelland of Harvard University did a study. And in his study, he came to realize about 95, as, mu- as high as 95% of your success or failure in life goes back to your circle. Okay, let me, let's test it. Okay, here's how you know. Um, if the friends you hang out with are eating nachos and beer, don't you technically, like, typically you want nachos and beer. If you're around people that are living a healthy life, I'm just, this is just an illustration. Don't, I'm not preaching food. Some of you are like, don't take my nachos, preacher. I don't care about your nachos. Eat all the nachos you want. That's not the point, all right? But the point is this. If you're around people that are eating healthy, jogging every day, exercising every day, eating salads, it does something to you. And that's just in the physical realm. Imagine how much more impactful and meaningful that principle is spiritually and emotionally. Listen, you need to understand that you're getting nudged ever so slightly in certain directions in your life based on who is around you. Now, I read this, and I don't know if I can prove it, but I believe it's probably true. You become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Think about the five people you spend the most time with. Are you anything like him? Probably. Probably. Can two walk together except they be agreed? He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You know what you want in your life? Friends that bring you to Jesus. Over and over and over. And you don't want friends in your life. They're constantly getting you to doubt what God said. Friends are like, well, I don't see what the big deal is. Well, I know, no, 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 And all that kind of, you know what that is? That's chatter that you don't need in God. You already have that voice inside of you. You need to fight that. Why would you surround yourself with that as well? See, I just don't make friends at church. He that hath friends must show himself friendly. But out of this much, you need this. You need the right circle in your life. Look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We were there this morning in Sunday school. John chapter 1. You kids in school, young people in school, if you got friends that have a habit of speaking foul language, is it not easier when you almost hit something while you're driving to go... You older people... Okay, you more experienced ones, do you not realize that same principle applies to you? And listen very carefully to me. You need to understand this. Mi familia viene de Puerto Rico. We love family. Everything's about family in Latino culture. But when I got saved, I wasn't saved to identify first and foremost with culture. I was saved first and foremost to identify with my Savior. And you understand this. There have been moments in my life, you can ask this woman right here, you can ask my older kids especially, where my family, who I love to death, and I have bent back over backwards to help in many occasions, have gone in certain directions, and I said, I love you, but I can't. You say, why? I'm not strong enough not to get pulled into it. 
I need people that want to walk with God in my life. I need people, not listen, not just church. But I mean, I want to, they, they say this in any, in any sport, in any area of life. If you want to get better at something, you know how I got better at basketball? Not by playing with nerds that were in the stamp collection club. Now, you may laugh and go, you're such a bully. I was the nerd. I was in a stamp collection club. I'm telling on myself, and I wish I hadn't done that because now it's on the internet. Man, this is trouble. <laughs> you know how I got better at basketball? Finding some guys in the, in the, in the hood, and I'm not kidding, Widefield and security, Miss, Miss Virginia knows what I'm talking about, and me and her son would drive around and look at some guys and go, they, look like they can play, let's go, and we get the tar beat out of us, but that's how we got better. You know how you get better in the Christian life? Surround yourself with people. I don't mean just at church. I mean at school. I mean at the office. I mean with your family. I mean in every area of your life. Don't treat it like a dichotomous situation where you're one way at church and another way out in the world. It will not work. And you'll go, man, I can't see why. Why do I keep falling down? Why do I keep falling down? Your circle has big influence. The Bible says in John chapter 1 talking about Andrew. I love this. If you would at verse 41. I don't mean to pick on the teens, but remember summer camp? Way, 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 way back in July. It's like so two months ago, isn't it? It feels like a long time ago. Only two months ago. And the things that you were thinking and desiring at camp can change. Depending on what you surround yourself with. See, at camp, it's a controlled situation. We're all like, you know, the same. Wanting to go toward the same thing. And you're getting the, you know what, preached out of you morning, noon, and night. But then there's real life. And you have to make choices. Who's your circle? Let me ask you like this. When you're excited about something, who do you talk to? When you're down about something, who do you go to? John chapter 1 Verse number 40, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And, and I want you to, as I told everyone in Sunday school, look at verse 42. You know what Andrew did for Peter? The greatest thing someone can do for anybody else. He brought him to Jesus. You know what that is? It's not just a brother, that's a friend. You need friends that will bring you to Jesus. Over. Listen to me very carefully. You only have to get saved once. But even after you get saved, you're going to fall. Repeatedly. And you need people in your life that are going to go, hey, you can do this. Let's get back up. Hey, you're not doomed for failure for the rest of your life. You can, with God's help, overcome this, but you have to get up. And you know what? If I got to drag you to Jesus on this stretcher, God help me, I will. I'm glad for friends like that. You know what Brother Spurgeon did? Brother David Spurgeon, who's going to be here next year. You know what that guy did one time? He put his big, he does it. Um, I, I, I kind of like my space, okay? When someone's talking to me, this right here, this is good. But Brother Spurgeon kind of leans in like this and becomes a little uncomfortable. I mean, it's not uncomfortable for me right now, but I think it is for Leonard. I'm not sure. 
And this, he put his finger in my face like this. And, you know, you, who, how, what kind of preacher? Who does he think he is? He's a friend is who he is. And he told me something I needed to hear in my life that no one else, well, let me put it this way. Others were telling me I just wasn't listening. But he was a friend. You need people like that in your life. You need to know when you get down, you have people who are going to point you over and over back to Jesus. See, how, how important are relationships? Go back to 1 Kings chapter 3, Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 3. You go, preacher, it, can there any good thing come out of Kings or Chronicles? We're about to find out. 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm not going to read an entire chapter, don't worry. But I want to just skim some highlights real quickly about a man named Solomon. You know who Solomon is? He's the wisest man that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ himself. And the reason I say that is because Jesus spoke of this in the Gospels, and he said, you know Solomon and all of his wisdom? Well, there's a greater than Solomon here talking of himself. So I think Jesus Christ is the wisest man that ever lived. But outside of him, Solomon is next in line. And Solomon is the son of David, and he was trained in scriptures, and he knew the Lord through his father. But look at 1 Kings chapter 3, look at verse 1. Solomon made affinity. That, that is a deep bond. That's a relationship. It's more than just connecting on Facebook. I mean, they, they became friends. He made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house. Now you may think, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. God said not to do that. God said, don't mingle with people that don't believe like us. When I say mingle, I mean marry. Don't get so close that you're now in a bond that you can't get out of. You say, what's the big deal? I mean, look at verse 3. Solomon's in a good place, right? I mean, what's the big deal? Preacher, come on. It's just, it's just one, I mean, just one decision. He loves the Lord. You can see that in the passage. Yeah. And you can see in verse 5 that he prays for wisdom and God gives it to him. Verse 11. But come with me to 1 Kings chapter 8. Let me show you something. 1 Kings chapter 8. Man, it, it just looks like everything is going right in Solomon's life. I mean, yeah, he made that decision. It wasn't a good one. He shouldn't have done that. He should have had the right kind of circle around him. But, but it's just one decision after all. And, and God shows up to him in the same chapter. And he, God gives him wisdom beyond his years, beyond what anybody else had. So it looks like everything's fine in his life. Look at 1 Kings chapter 8. It would look furthermore like things are still going very well. If you look at verse 1, they're bringing the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and they're putting it in the temple. Look at verse 11. The presence of God was so thick in the temple under the leadership of Solomon that the priest could not go in there to minister. That's how much God's presence was felt. Are you trying to tell me, preacher, that someone that's not right with God can still have the blessings of God for a time? Absolutely. Look at chapter 11. Now we're getting somewhere. See, you don't realize everything that's going on in the background. God was still showing up, and God was still there. But there's stuff going on in the background in Solomon's life and heart, and it's turning him. Just, just a little, one degree a day. Just like that. Just like your friendships do. Listen, if you spend all your time online talking with friends about how corrupt the government is, and I'm not saying it's not. It is absolutely corrupt. But if you spend all your time doing that, you know what's going to happen when you meet people? That's going to be your reference point. It won't be about the gospel. It'll be about that. Why? Because what you're surrounding yourself with. 
L- listen, I don't care if you are fair and balanced Fox News or if you are the Communist News Network, CNN. It doesn't matter. If you're exposing yourself to that 24 hours a day, you know what you're going to do? You're going to walk away hating everybody. <laughs> Look at 1 Kings chapter 11. Now, question, real, qu- real quick question. Chapter 3, did anybody remember in verse 3, who does Solomon love? The Lord. Okay? He loves the Lord. Look at chapter 11, verse 1. Anything change? <laughs> now, when it says strange woman, it's not like, you know, she got a broken tooth. or <laughs> She's like hunchback, you know. No, no, not like, not like a ner- No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. All right, we're talking about someone that doesn't believe like him. Someone that worships other gods. And because they worship other gods, he's starting to change some things in his life. Now, in chapter 3, it says he loved God. But in chapter 11, stuff had been going on in the background for years now. And now, it's not just one wife. It's many strange women. Look at verse number 2. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said to the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon, clave unto these in love. Look at verse number four. For it came to pass when Solomon was what? It, I don't care if you think because you're old, you're protected. Listen, age in the Christian life does not protect you against going the wrong direction. Your heart can turn and your heart can change even in your old age. Don't look at here. I see this all the time in church. The old people look down the young people and go, you need to get right with God. You need to do that. What about you old folks? You need to as well. You need to watch your heart because even where you're at, you will convince yourself of things that are not true. Why? Because of the things you surround yourself with. You need... If you want to learn to get back up and walk with God, you need the right circle. Go back to Mark chapter 2. You know what Solomon is a great picture of? A Christian that experienced the blessings of God but could have had so much more. But he made choices. Mark chapter 2. Can I say this? Be willing to maybe consider your circle. Maybe change your circle a little bit. You know? (laughs) You go, well, I've had these friends for a long time. Listen, reach out to them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray for them. Love them. Be there for them if they need you. But at the same time, you are not, and I am not strong enough to be around the elements of this world and surround myself with that and that be my circle and me not go in the wrong direction. Secondly, can I say this? Be willing to to do something different. You know what the definition of insanity is? Why can't I get through this wall? I don't see what, pro- I just, I just want to get, <laughs> you know what that is? That's stupid. You know why I can't get through the wall? Because I'm not Jesus. He walks through walls. You know, doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result, that's, that's insanity. And you know what happens? You get used to doing things a certain way for a certain amount of time in your life, and you go, well, now that I'm saved, I can still try that. It will not work. Do something different. You say, what's different? I'll tell you what's different. Opening a hole in the top of a house and dropping a dude down from the top. That's different. Can you imagine being the guy in the stretcher going, I'm just so, I mean, if you was a teenage girl, I'm just so embarrassed right now. <laughs> Make sure they get the right angle. If you're going to drop me, put me on this side so when they get pictures, 
I get my skinny side. Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. I've got daughters. Be willing to do something different. You know what? I guarantee you, he probably felt like an idiot. And he probably thought, man, guys, don't go through all this trouble. Now everyone's going to be staring at me. Yeah, but how bad do you want healing? I have people go, I, I, I wanted to get saved, but I felt embarrassed coming down and walking. How bad do you want the healing? Some of you Christians will sit in your pew. You know, you know you're not right with God because I don't want them to think there's anything. That's for the young people. You know what breaks my heart? When young people flock forward, and some of you old curmudgeons, because you've gotten crusty in your walk with God, won't move from your seat to get right with God. Oh, I can get right with God in my seat. Maybe you could, but you know why you're not going further? Because you care too much what others think. Amen and amen and amen. And you know, what the, you know what happens is it becomes more about a religion than it does a relationship. And you stay down instead of getting up and walk. Do something that's different. Look what they say in verse 12. At the end of that verse, they said, we never saw it on this fashion. Hey, listen, guys, you would have felt like an idiot if you were building a boat and it's never rained before. You would have felt like an idiot taking a rock. I mean, you know what they say all the time? Don't bring a, gun to a, uh, don't bring a knife to a gunfight, Right? Right? If it's a gunfight, don't bring a knife. You'd be an idiot, right? But the thing about this, don't bring a sling to a sword fight. David and Goliath, anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, so can you imagine being out there, and, and, do, and they're all going, what in the world is that guy doing? Or for the sake of those that come from the, the south, what in the cat hair is that boy doing? Does that, does that help you out a little bit, Miss Is that? I mean, here's this guy throwing a, taking a rock and slinging it around, you know? And everyone's going, you idiot, he's got a huge sword. What are you doing with this thing in your hand? Yeah, it was different, but God used it. Can you imagine being Gideon, the mighty man, thou mighty man of valor? And God's like, okay, Gideon, here's what I'm going to do. You got 30,000, we're going to window it down. Okay, Lord, 30,000, you're going to make it 300,000? Can I do like the, the, the miracle with the loaves and multiply my men? No, we're going to kind of go in the opposite direction. We're going to kind of get it down to just a little bit less. Well, Lord, how much is a little bit less? 300. Lord, this isn't making any sense. Oh, I guess better than that, Gideon. If you think that's crazy, here's the plan. You're going to get up. You're going to put candles inside these vessels, inside these little clay pots, and everyone's going to stand up there. And at the same time, you're going to break those, those pots, and the light's going to shine. You're like, yeah, and then? And then you'll watch to see what happens. <laughs> that's your plan, Lord? Joshua, I mean, guys, I love this story. If you were raised on Veggie Tales, you probably still think that the the people in um, Jericho were throwing slushies. That's not biblical. Okay, there were no slushies in the Bible. All right, I just want to make that clear. But can you imagine walking around this city once a day for six days straight, and they're like looking at you, going, "What are they doing?" And you're like, "We're marching because God told us to march." You guys. You don't feel stupid, do you? No, I don't feel stupid either, no. <laughs> and on the seventh day, the Lord's like, it gets better, guys, on the seventh day, because I like the number seven, I want you to go around seven times. It's, it's almost like, well, they're like, okay, on the seventh day, what's going to happen, Lord? What are you going to do? Yeah, it, 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 wait for it, guys, wait for it, wait for it. Yeah, what is it, Lord? Seven times. <laughs> so we're going to march seven times instead of once? That's the plan? That's my plan. That's not usually how battles are won. Yeah, but you're, you're talking about God here. Are you willing to do something that's maybe a little bit uncomfortable? We never saw it on this fashion. 
You over there in John chapter 21, the Lord goes to Peter after the resurrection. He goes, hey, Pete. He didn't say Pete. He goes, hey, catch any fish? Children, have you any meat? Now, when he says children to a grown man, you don't, you see, you don't think about this when you're reading your Bible. If a, if a guy called, it'd be like me saying uh, to, to you know, a grown man uh, that's my age, hey, son. Here, I'm a commercial fisherman. Who's this jack wagon yelling from the shore? Children, have you any meat? It's like salt in the wound. I've been fishing all night. I caught nothing. No, we don't have anything. We've been fishing all night long. Well, uh, <laughs> I love this. Try casting it on the right side of the ship. <laughs> Peter's like, is this guy serious? <laughs> we cast it on every side, and we've caught nothing. You know what Peter says? Okay. At your word. And he drops it and 153 fish later. You got to be willing to do something different. Well, I'm embarrassed. I don't want people to know. I don't want people to see. I don't want. Quit caring so much what people think and just worry about getting healed. I would say uncovering the roof and breaking it up and letting him down. That's weird. But it worked. It worked. At summer camp, we challenge the kids to learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You need that. Thirdly, let me say this. Acknowledge the real issue. Look at verse 5. Boy, if if Jesus was here today, I can only imagine the mean tweets that they would tweet about Jesus. They already do it, but I can only imagine if he was here right now. Well, I mean, imagine this guy. Imagine you're this person that's sick. And you're getting dropped through the roof. And all the crowd goes, oh, this lame man. You know, and all the, all the people there taking pictures, you know. And here's Jesus. <laughs> and he, he looks at the man and he goes, your sins are forgiven. And everybody goes, oh, what a mean person. Here's this guy. He's already flat on his back. Why are you going to rub it into his face? He's a sinner. Well, because the reason he's in the shape he's in is because of his sin. Now look, not all times that you fall down is it because of sin. I want to acknowledge that, but for the sake of the message, I want to make this clear. There are some times you find yourself flat on your back because of your sin. And you're thinking, you know what we do? You go, well, uh, you know, if someone could just look far enough back into my life, they'd know it was because of my childhood, and they would know it was because of, and the Lord just, he just goes right past that, right past all the other things, and he goes, thy sins be forgiven. You know what you want help? You got to acknowledge what the issue is. If you're sick and you've got cancer, you've got to know you've got cancer to deal with the cancer. When you constantly think that the reason that you're down is because your spouse and your kids and this and that, even when it's finances, could it not be that it's not really finances as much as it is your lack of faith with God? Could, could it be that, that the reason that you have the fight and that you're having in your home and things aren't where they should is because there's pride in your life? At the root of that is sin. Do you understand? So much of what's wrong with us is sin. <laughs> and we don't want to call it that anymore. We want to call it something different. But if sin is the problem, you got to deal with it like it's the problem. One time they came to Jesus and said, who, who did sin, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, it was neither. I just did, I, this man was born blind. Remember that story in John 9? That the glory of God may be manifest in him. Not all, not all times you're flat on your back is it because of sin. I want to say that. But let's be honest, oftentimes it is. 
And if you're looking for any other reason to point out why you're in the position that you're in without first looking in the mirror and going, is part of this my fault? Is it me? Am I bitter towards another believer? Am I frustrated with God? Am I covetous? Do I look at that person and go, why don't I have what they have? You see, do I have hatred in my heart? Every time I see that person, think about that person, I just kind of look like I'm constipated. (laughs) Some spiritual X-lax, you know. See, if you don't deal with those things and you don't allow God to address the issue, you don't get better. I had my idea about what was wrong with my tooth. I thought the doctor was a quack. And I thought he just wanted to get me in and out of his practice real fast, the dentist, you know. And he sends me home with this mouthwash. Man, I could go to the store and buy stupid Listerine. What is this? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I want you to go in there and floss aggressively. And I'm thinking, man, my tooth is on fire. Why would I do anything to hurt it more? This makes no sense. I woke up this morning after doing this for a couple of days, and it feels amazing. But you know what I had to do? I had to deal with two things. I had to do what he said. I had to do something different. And I had to deal with the real issue. Because they did the x-rays. You know what they couldn't find? No cavities. So he goes, there must be something maybe in the gum. Something that we can't, listen to me, see. And it's bringing that pain in your life. Are you listening? You've got to address the issue. Call it what it is. You know, people will leave church sometimes and get out of church and out of fellowship with God and they'll say it's because of another Christian. No. It's because of your response to that other Christian. And oftentimes it's sinful. You've got to follow God's instructions. Look at verse 11. I say unto thee, arise. What if the guy thought to himself, I don't think I can get up. It doesn't matter. Do it anyways. And he says, take up thy bed. Imagine after getting healing, someone saying, all right, all right, guys, rather than angels singing and a big party happening, they're like, okay, now that you're healed, make your bed. You know what you need to do? Make your bed. You know when you get up in the morning, I try to teach my kids, first thing we do, make the bed. Why? Because if nothing else goes right in your day, you at least have a bed that's made. I, I, I want them to learn, look, I messed it up. You know, I got one over here. When he sleeps, you know, I got another one that, that <laughs> oh my goodness, don't ever, where's that, there you, that girl will steal the covers, <laughs> and she talks in her sleep, blah, blah, blah. now Bella is, I, I, I probably shouldn't do this either, I'm sorry, I'm embarrassing my kids, but we've already committed, let's go one step further, <laughs> I think Bella's paranoid, because that night he's like, ah, ah, ah! <laughs> pity the man that marries her, you know, <laughs> But in the morning, do you know what you need to teach your kids? Make your bed. You know why? Because I didn't sleep in that bed. You did. Why am I going to make your bed? You got two able, you're an able-bodied person. Make your stinking bed. The first thing the, God, the Lord tells this man after he receives his healing is, pick up your bed. Well, Lord, didn't they bring me on it? Couldn't they carry it away? Yeah, that's when you couldn't do it. Now you can. 
And by the way, there are some people that maybe you've hurt along the way. You need to pick some things up. And if they see that you're serious about God, they'll see that you're making the effort to pick the things up that you messed up, and it's going to turn their heart after God. It's called some personal responsibility. Look at Acts chapter 12. Acts, we live in an age where everything is everybody else's responsibility. Uh, recently in my house, one of my kids goes, I don't, that's not my job. I said, say again. Do you live here? Do you consume things in this house? Then it's your job when dad tells you to do it. You know why? Because I, want them, I don't want them to go to work someday and the boss is like, you need to do this. Oh, that's not my job. Right. How not to get promoted 101. <laughs> okay, let me just put it this way. Our house is not a union, okay? Right. We don't have one person. Well, I can't touch that job. That's not part of my job description. If you have two legs and two arms, it's part of your job description. Now listen, when you get saved, you understand this, and the Lord brings some healing into your life, you got to understand, you left a little bit of a trail behind you, maybe. Maybe there's some people that got hurt along the way. Maybe there's some things that need to be made right. You know where some of that will start? Some of that will start with you making things right that you can. If you can make your bed, you ought to make your bed. You say, why? Because that's the part that God does. Listen, God healed you. He did what you can't do. Can you do this? If you can do this, then do it. Look at, look at Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. You see what happens? God breaks Peter out of jail. <laughs> now, if you don't pay your taxes or you get you know, a DUI, don't expect the Lord to show up in your jail room. All right? <laughs> that, that's not exactly how, how this is going to go. But, but Peter was, was preaching for the Lord. And in Peter preaching for God, he gets thrown into jail. Look at verse number 7. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side. Can you imagine you're sleeping and you're in prison, and you know, the Lord, the Lord shows up, and, and how does the Lord do it? He doesn't go, Peter, Peter. He's like, jab! <laughs> Smote him on the side. I mean, that, that'll wake you up. And Peter wakes up. You gotta read your Bible like you're actually there sometimes. And he smites him on the side, and he said to him, arise up quickly. Now watch this. And his chains fell off from his hands. Now, I, I think this is pretty cool. Peter couldn't break the chains. God had to do that. Yeah. You got some chains in your life that you can't break on your own. God will do that. But do you, know, do you know what follows after that? Look at the next verse. This is awesome. Okay. I took the chains off. Put your shoes on. Lord, aren't you powerful enough to take the chains off, wake me up in the middle of the night, and put my shoes on for me? I could. But you can put them on. So you're going to put them on. Right. Are you getting it? I did what you can't do. I'm going to break you out of here if you follow my instructions, but, and I'll, I'll drop the chains right away. But you know what you're going to have to do? Put your shoes on. But Lord, I'm just so tired, and I've been preaching for you, and you just don't know how hard it's been. Yeah, but you can put your shoes on. And I, maybe, maybe they were the Velcro kind. It made it easier for Peter. I don't know. But I know this much. He had to do that on his own. Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. You know what he's telling him? Get dressed and put your shoes on. You're telling me, God, you're so powerful, you can break chains and break me out of jail, but I got to dress myself? Yeah, because that's what you can do. Look back at Mark chapter 2 and we'll be done. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2.
Look, if you would, at verse 12. And immediately, immediately, not after 57 stanzas of just as I am, immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed. And they glorified the healed man. Is that what it says? If you want to learn to get up and walk again, do you know what you have to understand? You don't get the credit. God does. You know, I can't wait to see some days God provide us a building. But you know what we're, gonna, you know what we're not going to say? <laughs> we saved. And we were so diligent and so smart with our money. And God just had to give us. No, no, no It's going to be because of God. And when someone gets saved here, you know what we're going to say? It's because of the Lord. When someone gets right with God and they come down and they go, Lord, I'm going to leave that thing behind in my past. I'm moving forward. I'm letting go of those things which are behind. I'm going to get right with you. I'm going to bring my family along. I'm going to get things right with my spouse. I'm going to get things right with my kids. I'm going to get things right with my parents. Lord, I'm going to live for you. You know what we're not going to say? We did a great job. You know what we're going to say? Thank you, God. When someone gets saved, thank you, God. When someone gets baptized, Lord, thank you. When people are coming to discipleship, Lord, thank you. You know why? Because it's about Him. It's not about us. This lady that was bowed over, the Bible says the Lord laid his hands on her immediately. She was made straight and glorified God. The Bible says about a man that watched Jesus Christ in his dying moments. He looked up and saw him, and he said, truly, this man was the son of God. And the Bible says he glorified God. You know what your life is? You know what you're all about? You know, what, you know why you're breathing right now? To please and glorify your designer and creator and savior. I just want to leave this planet having known I, I brought him a little bit of glory. I can't, listen to me, you can't do that if you stay down. You have to get back up. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus Christ. and Lord, I pray that you would that you'd bear witness to what was said this morning, that it would not be just words from some guy, but rather, Lord, it would be you, that you would have spoken to your people. God, that you would help them, you would encourage them, that you'd edify them, Lord, that you'd speak to them as a father does, as a dad does. Lord, I'm so, so thankful for all the times where I've wanted to quit and just stay down. I'm thankful you're a good father. you speak to your kids this morning and encourage them to get up and when they fall again to get up when their relationship with you gets bland and becomes more of a religious checklist that they get back up when that old habit keeps them knocked down that they get up 
when pride and covetousness and bitterness and hatred get the best of them, Lord, get them back up. After all, it's what you did. You went down and you stayed down for three days, but you didn't stay down forever. You got up. You're our example. Lord, give our, our church a spirit like yours, Lord, a persevering spirit that when we fall, we just get back up. every head bowed and every eye closed as the Lord has spoken to you I pray you take advantage of the altar and I'll ask this question if you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to save you you've never been born again I spent a lot of the message talking to saved people those who have been born again, those who've asked Jesus to save them. But if you're here and you've never been born again, would you be honest enough between you and the Lord? Slip up your hand and go, Preacher, I'm not saved, but I'd like to learn more about what it means to be saved. With no one looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed. Is there anybody here that would be honest, maybe a little vulnerable. I won't point you out or drag you down or anything like that, but would love to know so I can pray for you. If you're here and you've never been saved, you've never been born again, you've never come to a place in your life where you realize you were a sinner or you realize sin had you down and you had never turn from your self-righteousness to ask Jesus to be your righteousness before God. If that's you, if you want to at least look up at me, I just want to be able to pray for you. I won't point you out. Appreciate the honesty. Let me say this at the close of our service with love if you're here and you want to know what it means to be saved, it costs nothing. It's something that can take 10 minutes of your life <laughs> and out of that 10 minutes gain eternity for it. And look, we, none of us here are perfect, far, far from it, pastor included. But I know this, I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. I know that if I pass from this life into the next tonight, I know where I'd be. And that's not because I'm a good guy or I'm a pastor. It's because when I was 12 years old at Silver State Baptist Youth Camp, I, I bowed my knee, but also my heart at an altar. And someone showed me from the Bible how to get saved, and I, I, I listened <laughs> and asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Greatest decision of my life. Greatest decision. And I would say this, outside of that, the next greatest decision would be when I said, Lord, whatever you want, and I don't know what this means. At 14, you don't know what, you, you haven't figured life out. I'll say that. But at 14, I said, Lord, I, I don't know exactly what it'll mean, but I want my life to matter, and I want you to do something with it, and whatever that means, would you do it? 
Man, that was a great decision. Never take that back. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for being here today. I hope you got something out of the Word of God. and um, We hope to see you Wednesday night. And uh, I know we've got some young people that will be heading out uh, into out of town to go down to Florida for a revival meeting there. Uh, and pray for their safety as they go for some of them. Um, and uh, But uh, for the rest of you, we hope to see you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And uh, I, I'll be very, very honest with you. I have... Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to wait a week to start the series on music or not, but either way, be here. You'll get something out of the Word. And uh, the kids, Lord willing, should be back to DBC Wednesday night. I'm pretty confident Brother Craig will be feeling better by then, well enough to uh, teach and all. So uh, pray for Brother Craig, a little under the weather. Uh, but we hope to see you Wednesday night. Uh, young people going out tonight, we're praying for you. And uh, uh, don't forget, Friday we'll all be going out as a church. So. Uh, good to be with you guys today. Pray that the Lord spoke to you personally Amen. and individually. And uh, let's uh, be dismissed in a word of prayer. And Brother Chad, if you would, since I picked on you during the message, Brother, if you would, uh, dismiss us in a word of prayer.